Today is our final day of our 14 days of prayer and fasting. Um, We're going to end the 14 days of prayer and fasting this evening with a worship and prayer event tonight right here at the church. Six o'clock, was that the right? Six Six o'clock. And so I want to thank all you for your participation in this 14 days of prayer and fasting. Just this um, uh, time of focused emphasis on um, just going deep with the Lord. The three themes we've been focusing on during this time is upward, inward, and outward. Upward, who is God? We focus on that first. Then we turn inward. Inward, who are we in Christ and who is Christ in us? Okay, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And this week and the last few days, we've been focusing on outward. And the outward speaks of the overflow of our lives. Okay, we're going to talk about that today. We as Christians are supposed to have an abundance on the inside that can't help but leak out. I don't know if you know that. That is God's will for you. God's will for you is that there'd be such an abundance on the inside, such prosperity of your soul, that it can't help but to leak out. We all have hard days. We all have challenges. We all have stresses. But when we have the abundance of Christ in us, when we know who we are in him and him in us, there is a overflow that can't help but to leak out to the world around us. Let me ask you a question. Do you have an abundance on the inside? Do you have an overflow on the inside of your heart? King David said it like this in the book of Psalms. He says, Psalm 23, my cup overflows. Do you have an overflow in your life? I'm going to read Psalm 23. This is what overflow looks like. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Let me ask you a question. Is Jesus your shepherd? I lack nothing. Why? Jesus is my shepherd. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. Jesus refreshes my mind, will, and emotions. Okay? Let me ask you a question. Are you resting in what Jesus did for you? Are you resting in the finished work of the cross? He guides me along the right paths, the right paths for his name's sake, even though I walk through the darkest valley. Many, many times trials and tribulation are inevitable in life. Even though I go through hard things, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Okay? My cup overflows. The implication of an overflowing cup is that not only is your world changed, the world around you is changed and transformed. That's what we want as Christians. We don't want to like, I barely have enough for me. No. Jesus did more than enough. The blood of Jesus wasn't just Barely enough to get you forgiven. It was more than enough to get you forgiven. Amen. It was more than enough to bring you into relationship with God. I love the words of knowledge that we're coming forward this morning, just reinforcing that, like, there's nothing between us. What can separate us from the love? The song asks the question, what can separate us? Nothing. Neither height, nor depth, nor principalities, nor powers, nor my sin, nor my bad decisions, right? We are one in Christ. The blood of Jesus cleanses us from all our sins. Today, because we're talking about overflow, I want to help you, I want to help me, I want to help us hone in on the specific overflow from your life. We're a body of believers, and we have different 
gifts and different callings on our lives. And so when I talk about overflow, it might look differently with different individuals because God has fashioned us differently and we have different ministries that God has called us to. You are called to ministry. Uh, I, you might think like, ministry is for the people up here. No, ministry is for all y'all, okay? There's been given apostles, prophets, teachers, pastors, evangelists for the building up, the edifying of the saints for the work of ministry. And so you're called to ministry. Congratulations, you're commissioned, okay? <laughs> so I want to help you just um, give you some things to think about here to hone in on the specific overflow that God has for your life. The title of my uh, message today, our message is called From Morning to Mission. From Morning to Mission. Many times what God wants to do in you and through you starts with a burden. God puts it on your heart. I have a burden for this people group. I have a burden for this issue. I have a burden for this thing. Many times it starts from a burden and it ends in a mission. Okay? So if you don't hear anything else I said, that's the point of my message. Okay. Okay, but what way is God specifically commissioning you? Uh, I won't read it, but Matthew 28 talks about the great, the great commission. We've been commissioned with Christ, right? Go in all the world, make disciples. But Jesus says this, Luke 19.10, speaking of himself, he says, For the Son of Man came to seek and, and to save the lost. He came to seek and to save the lost. If we're partnering with Jesus... Jesus came to seek and save that which is lost. We're the hands and feet of Jesus here on earth. What are we going to do? We are going to seek and save that which is lost. Now, this is where I think the, the diversity of ministry comes into play. Because the word saved has a few different implication, uh, implications. The, the Greek word for saved in the Bible is the word sozo. And it means body, soul, spirit. It's not just your spirit. Although that is certainly the most important Salvation takes on a few different forms. Um, certainly spirit, and most importantly, spirit. Because your spirit is the part of you that is eternal. Your spirit is the part of you that lives forever, okay? Um, without a doubt, the best way to love someone is to show them Jesus. The best way to love an individual, the best way to love a city, the best way to love a country is to show them Jesus. Why? Because you can do all kinds of benevolent acts towards someone and love them in many ways, but if you only give them hope for this life, you haven't given them hope for all of eternity. Now, many times those things that he's called us to do to love people actually opens the door for the gospel, so they're actually great tools to open people's heart to the gospel of the Lord, and it matters as well. Okay. However, God doesn't just stop with saving our spirits. If it was only his will to get you saved and save your spirit, this is what would happen. You would get saved, he would kill you immediately, and you'd go to heaven. (laughs) And then it would be hard to get more people saved because, like, every time someone accepts Jesus, they die immediately, you know? Um, No. Obviously, it's his will for you to be in heaven with him forever, but it's not just his will to get you there as soon as possible. Why? He has a plan and purpose for you here on earth, here and now, Okay. So another dimension to salvation is soul. What is your soul? Your soul is your personality, your mind, your will, and emotions. We don't just have a spirit. Our spirit is the part that lives forever. But you also have a, it's what makes you you, your personality. Okay? Your mind, your will, and emotions. 
So our soul, our, our spirit is saved the moment we place our faith and trust in Jesus. Your spirit is saved. Our soul is being saved. We're in process. Okay, so our mind is being renewed daily. Our will is being conformed to the image of Christ, right? He renews our minds with the word and with his spirit. Our will, our wanter is being conformed to the image of Christ. And our emotions are being transformed. The emotions aren't evil and bad. They're actually good. But you don't want to let emotions lead, right? They're good. They're like children. You don't let them drive the car, but you don't put them in the trunk either. There's a good place for them. The back seat, okay? Don't ignore them. Don't put them in the trunk. Don't put them in the driver's seat. Okay. So our souls are being saved. That's part of salvation. Uh, and then how many know that our bodies, our bodies will be saved? Romans uh, eight eleven says that he quickens our mortal bodies by the power of his spirit, right? So we do have this promise in the interim period that he, we do believe in healing. He does heal. Um, but ultimately, we get a new body in heaven, and it's an upgrade. Can I get a witness? Okay. <laughs> Upgrades are good. So here's the deal. When we partner with Jesus in seeking and save that which is lost, obviously this includes people's spirit. Ultimately, that's what we want. But the specific overflow of Christ in you might be more in the vein of the realm of the soul. Uh, A good example of this is uh, counseling ministry or inner healing ministry. Okay, things that build people up on the inside. Um, or perhaps the overflow from your life might be more along the lines of meeting physical needs like homeless ministry, refugee ministry, um, praying for healing, or um, going on a medical or dental mission trip, supporting those kind of things. Um, does that make sense? Make it sense? Okay, so I want to help kind of put on the, the, the meat on the bone for you a little bit today and help you kind of understand perhaps the way God has specifically fashioned you to overflow to the world around you. Okay, so how do you find the specific overflow in your life? Again, if we are to seek and save that which is lost, we're the hands and feet of Jesus. Um, That's what we want to do naturally, okay? So my prayer today is that God would speak to hearts and and lead us in this. Okay, so point number one, and this this is by far my longest point, I want to encourage you to follow the void and fill the void. Okay, what do I mean by that? Many times, the way we find the specific vein of overflow in our lives is simply answering the call of the urgent need. Okay, many of us have passion, like I'm passionate for this ministry, and and God can certainly lead you with passions, but many times answering the call of the hour is how God wants to anoint you. You know, we had anointing service here a couple weeks ago. Pastor Howard anointed the staff, and the staff anointed the church. And some of you might think, like, did I feel anything, or did something change in my life? I want to tell you what should change. And maybe you haven't sensed or detected that change yet. What should change is the overflow from your life. And if you haven't become a conduit for overflow yet, maybe you're not feeling that, that anointing. Because when we give, that's when the anointing flows through us, okay? So let me give you an example of, of answering the urgent um, and this will make sense. During World War II, um, all the capable young men signed up in droves to fight uh, in war. They saw it as their duty. They saw it as their, their obligation to their country. Okay? 
they didn't sign up because they wanted to spend a Saturday doing this. Okay, that's like risking your life. Killing people isn't fun. Watching your friends die isn't fun. They didn't sign up because they thought, this will be a fun way to spend my life. This is what I want to do, right? They signed up because they saw a void, they saw a threat, and they filled the void. They answered the call. Okay, simultaneously, the United States, up, up to that point, the United States was more of like a Switzerland kind of country. We were an isolationist kind of country. We saw World War I and we're like, yeah, we're going to just stay over here and kind of do our thing. We don't want to get involved in the world. But simultaneously, we realized that tyranny and evil was reaching all around the world, and we had to do something about it. So simultaneously, as these men were signing up in droves to fight, the United States needed to become a massive war machine at the same time. It was necessary. So simultaneously, all the capable women went to work in the factories to build planes, tanks, bullets, and bombs. Right? Do you think these ladies wanted to wake up on a Saturday or whatever and do rivets and build bombs? I don't, I, I probably not. This probably wasn't the desire of their heart. And it wasn't the desire of the men's heart to go kill people. Okay, I'm sure they had other dreams. They'd be rather be doing other things. All these men and women volunteered freely because they knew that none of their dreams would come to pass if they didn't come and answer the call to crush tyranny. The urgency of the hour necessitated action on their part. The 1950s is a picture of people following their dreams, right? All those people who went to war, they came home, they made babies, and they made suburbs, right? That's a picture of people following the desires of their hearts, the dreams of their hearts, okay? The early 1940s, they were able to do that because in the early 1940s, they answered the call to crush tyranny and suppress evil. And here's what I want to say. We anointed people a couple weeks ago. Sometimes the flow of the anointing looks like answering the call of the hour, the urgency of the hour. It's not always your passion project. Many times you have to rearrange and see what, what needs to be done here and now in this moment, okay? A good example of this is uh, Nehemiah. Uh, ne- we just spent a whole bunch of time talking about Nehemiah and how he rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem. But look at this, Nehemiah 1, uh, 1 through 4. Um, Nehemiah, the children of Israel were carried off into exile. And um, he said, while I, while I was in the citadel of Susa, that's, by the way, was in Iran. So he's a long ways from Jerusalem. He's in Iran in exile. Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. They said to me, those who survived the exile are back in the providence um, and are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. Nehemiah says, when I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Many times a fast, you know, we call it a fast. Hey, it's the beginning of the year, let's fast. Many times a fast is initiated because like, oh my gosh, there's this huge tragedy. And Nehemiah is like, oh, my people are suffering in Jerusalem. They're in great distress. And Jerusalem is in um, a heap of rubble. Nehemiah answers the urgency of the hour 
And God used Nehemiah to later on rebuild the walls of Jerusalem and then bring strength and comfort to Judah. What did he do? He went from mourning to mission. He went from mourning to mission. Let me ask you a question, church. What breaks your heart? What, what breaks your heart? What grieves your heart? You know, if we're sensitized to the Holy Spirit, we're sensitized to Jesus, there are certain things in this world that aren't right and should break your heart. Okay, let me ask you, um, is it orphans? Does that break your heart? Is it homelessness? Is it poverty? Is it broken families? Is it fatherlessness? Is it abortion? Is it the decay of morality in our nation? Is it drug and alcohol abuse? Is it human trafficking? Is it people going to eternity without knowing Jesus as their Lord and Savior? What I want to say today is that maybe it's the place of pain, the place, the place where you're grieved, the place where you mourn, where God wants to anoint you to do something about it. We want to go from mourning to mission. Um, this week I was, I was uh, working out and I was listening to um, a Craig Rochelle leadership podcast and he was interviewing um, uh, a woman named Christine Kane. How many know who Christine Kane is? Um, she resides in Australia. I'm doing this because Greg's from there. Okay, he resides on Aus- She resides in Australia, but she's um, she's Greek. She's she's from uh, her her lineage is from Greece, and so she um, Christine Kane. She started an organization that rescues men and women from uh, human trafficking. Okay, and. Um, she, this is how this started. She went to Greece and she saw and heard about all this human trafficking that's going on. By the way, I don't know if you know this. Many people don't know this, but there are more slaves today, this current hour, than in the history of the world. At any time in history, there's never been more slaves than there are today. We get, we get grieved about, you know, hearing about some of, some of our history and slavery, and which is terrible, obviously. But there's more slaves today, right now in the world, than there has been at any time in the world. About 40 million slaves in the world right now. And some of those are uh, for sexual exploitation. Some are forced labor. Some are in forced marriages, different things like that. But Christine sees this need, and she goes, oh, man, there's this, there's this need. This is uh, human trafficking is going on. These Russian mafia are like taking these girls and, and boys and putting them into um, slavery. And so she goes, I need to find a ministry that's working with these people. So I want to, like, this is a place of brokenness. This is a place of pain for me. This is the burden on my heart. I want to find a ministry that's working with these people and help them out. So she's, this is how her ministry started. She looks around and realizes no one is doing exactly what needs to be done in the world. What did she do? She answered the call and started A21, which has um, a global influence that rescues people and convicts um, people who were um, putting people into human trafficking. Okay, she started a new work. It wasn't out of boredom that she started a new work. It wasn't because like, what do I do with myself and my life? No, she saw a need. She saw the urgency of the hour, and she stepped up. And this is where God has anointed her to make change and transform the earth. So, point number one, follow the void. Follow the cry. Follow the pain. Maybe that's you 
volunteering in some capacity, going on mission trips. Maybe that's you giving financially towards a work that, that does something. Whatever is breaking your heart, follow that void and fill it. Okay, that's point number one. Point number two, another way to realize the specific vein or overflow that God has for your life, point number two is follow the compassion of God. Okay, you have this burden, but you also have a compassion to give to certain individuals. Jesus, um, in Matthew 9, 35 and 38, it says this in Jesus' ministry. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send workers into his harvest field. Okay, and this is an interesting uh, phrase. The phrase, he had compassion on them, in the Greek, that's actually just one word. And I didn't put on the screens because I don't know how to pronounce it. Okay, it's like this long and lots of syllables. But I'll tell you what it means. <laughs> it's, it's a phrase in the English, but in the Greek, it's one word. It means... Um, gut-wrenching compassion. And it's like, it, it speaks of being like moved in your inward parts. It's like all your insides are crying out with gut-wrenching compassion to help and to do something. That's the compassion that Jesus had on these people. They're like sheep without a shepherd. And Jesus was moved internally and had a gut-wrenching compassion to do something for them. He couldn't help but, but help. Um, so here's my point of that. Follow the pain, follow the cry, and follow the compassion of God. And in my last point, point number three, how do you find the specific vein of overflow that God wants to have for you? Point number three, follow the fight. <clears throat> so much of Christianity today is like, you know, I want to talk about good things and how to have a better life and whatever. So much of it is built around like us having just a better day. Come to church and integrate a little Jesus and have a better day. Okay, well, first of all, he didn't call you to have a better day. He called you to lay down your life and follow him, okay? And uh, consequently, you'll have a better day because of that, so. (laughs) But here's the deal. We have to realize, believers, that we are in a world that's sinful and fallen, and when we shine the light and love of Jesus, when we're the salt of the world, there's going to be opposition you're signing up for a fight. God has ordained each and every one of us to bring transformation to the world around us. You're not just here to occupy space and take up room. Um, in Genesis 1, there's God's original design for creation. And I want to I read this. And I think this is still true today. It says this, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female, He created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, like the 1950s, okay? But then he said, watch this, fill the earth and subdue it, okay? God's original design is that through his delegated authority, we would fill the earth and bring it under subjection to his dominion, okay? Now, we don't do this like by strong-arming people and putting a gun to the head. We do this through serving. We do this through loving. We do this for prayer. We do this through prophecy, right? Um, but we're supposed to violently take hold of the things of God and bring them here on earth. 
Uh, Jesus, Jesus, when the disciples asked Jesus, how should we pray? Jesus said, our Father in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. That sounds like a nice prayer that we could all pray together. But really, that's a violent taking hold of heaven and bringing it to this earth, okay? Um, the word, so it's not just this passive, God's not going to use you just like through passive happenstance. It's intentional, and many times it's forceful. What, what Christine Kane is doing around the world is intentional and it's forceful. It's, in, it's, it's forcefully in, uh, enforcing the goodness and the kindness of heaven to this earth and tearing down those altars of human, traf- uh, human trafficking. So this is what it looks like. The word subdue in the Hebrew, um, it's uh, kibosh. It sounds like put the kibosh. And I, after studying this word a little bit, the, the origins of the word kibosh are like kind of uncertain, but they have Yiddish roots. And I kind of wonder if this is the root of the kibosh, to put an end to something, okay? But the word uh, kibosh, it means to tread down, hence negatively, to disregard, positively to conquer, to subjugate, to violate, to bring into bondage, to force, to keep under, to subdue, to bring into subjection. Okay, this is what the... what God wants to do in and through us is to take this reality, this world, and bring it into subjection to his dominion, okay? To make headway in the kingdom of God, it's forceful, it's violent, it's not passive, okay? Um, this same Hebrew word was used when God said, <laughs> God said to the children of Israel, um, they're coming out of Egypt, I'm giving you all this land, Go take it. Go, go, go have this land, right? Well, as you, if you read through the book of um, Joshua, they didn't just like walk in and be like, oh, we're taking this land. God gave it to us. No, they had to fight for every inch of that land, okay? This is the promised land, right? Promise. The land I want you to have, right? But they had to fight for it every step of the way. Many times that's what it's like in our life. God has promises for you, for your family, for your country, for your city. But many times we have to fight for every inch that he has given us, okay? We have to subdue many times, okay? Same Greek, same uh, Hebrew word, I should say, was used when it says they subdued the land. <clears throat> Jesus said that the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violence take it by force. In other words, when we make advances for the kingdom of God, many times it's, it's not passive, it's, it's forcefully doing something, and that anointing will flow through you. Uh, we need to be forceful in our prayers. We need to be forceful in our worship. We need to be forceful in our praise. Listen, when you come to church, and Pastor Greg's up here with the team. By the way, you guys come, come back up. Um, don't just sit there and be like, all right, sing me a song. <laughs> Sing a song about Jesus for me, you know. Listen, no, this is our opportunity to usher in the presence of God. And when the presence of God comes in, things change and things get messed up and things get transformed, amen? We need to be violent about our worship. We need to be violent about our praise. Violently take hold of the things and the promises of God for our lives. Can I get a witness? Okay. Um. I don't, I don't know. I hope everyone has the chance to experience this. But have you ever gone to just a fiery prayer meeting 
where people are fired up and they're contending and praying in the spirit. Like prayer doesn't always have to be this passive nice thing. My prayer is that every individual at Sea Lights would know what it means to contend in the spirit realm and to take hold of the promises, the things that God has for us. Amen? We're going to close with a worship song here. You guys could stand to your feet. From morning to mission, my prayer is that that ache, that burden, that cry that God has in your heart wouldn't just be something that brings you pain, but it would bring you something that you take hold of and make a mission out of it. So I want to pray just a recommissioning over you today. And whatever that thing is, that vein that breaks your heart, that might be the very place that God wants to anoint you to make change and transform this world. Um, And I'm going to invite the the ministry team forward. Uh, Ministry team, come forward. Um, Number one, if you have or need prayer for anything going on in your life, these people, we are honored to pray with you. Um, But also, if there's something that you need content, you want to contend with something in your life today, come up to these people and um, receive prayer. We want to stand with you. We want to believe with you. So I'm going to pray, and we're going to go... um, into worship. Jesus, I thank you for this amazing church. I thank you for every individual. I thank you for what you've placed on the inside of them, your kingdom and your glory, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that um, each person would see themselves with a specific vein or mission, God, of overflow from their lives, Lord. We would see ourselves as, this is my assignment. This is my purpose. These are the people I'm supposed to reach. This is the way I'm supposed to bring um, salvation to this world. Saved body, soul, and spirit, Lord. I just pray you would speak to us, speak to every individual in this service today. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for what you're doing in our world. We thank you for you're moving upon us, Lord, and I bless your people today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.